Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. It's the sweetest time when the sun gone in and the moon starts shining and with zips of wine and the incense burn and the records turn. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Wine Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, and I love beer here in D.C. Uh, During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer, continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I've been a beer director, uh, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world, brewers, importers, bartenders, educators, uh, essentially to help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you're new to beer or you are a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Today, I am joined uh, via phone by Dan Bronson. He's the general manager at Single Cut Beer Smiths in Astoria, New York. Uh, We met many years ago when I was living in Astoria, New York. Uh, I was the beer director at 11 Madison Park uh, and I added single cut to our kind of local draft line uh, that I always kind of reserved for to have like a local uh, line, essentially. They make really beautiful Pilsner, but they are known the world around for their IPAs. Um, Dan, thank you Good so much day. for calling in. <laughs> How are you doing today? You? I'm great. I understand I uh, that you just landed in Nashville? Yeah, I, I certainly did. Um, I've never been to Nashville before, though it's been high on my priority list of places to visit. And um, I don't want to rub it in too much. Um, but as I'm talking to you now, I have my feet kicked up on a beautiful porch, uh, watching the Cumberland River uh, gently swift by. Uh, it's, it's pretty damn nice where I'm at right now. All right. Well, I will be there in about four hours. So <laughs> very, very excited. The, the reason why we are both headed to Nashville is the Craft Brewers Conference uh, is there this week. So lots of really fun events and seminars and um, meetings, and it'll be a lot of fun. So I'm very excited to go there as well. I've never been to Nashville either. So excited to check oh, out some good. new breweries, especially what was it the new one that has opened up in the past couple of months, Bearded Iris. Bearded Iris, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to uh, check that out as well. I haven't had any of their stuff, um, but I've heard only great things, and I've heard really great things about the people, too. So, so I, I want to see you there, SJ. Nice. Nice. So I want to talk uh, a little bit about uh, Single Cut itself, um, located at 1933 uh, in Astoria. Very uh, apt address, as that is the end of Prohibition. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> so yeah, that worked worked out pretty well. You guys didn't do that on purpose. I just kind of—I mean, I guess you can't—you can't change the address, right? It's just kind of what you get. 
it's what you get, you know, in the world of New York State, or uh, especially New York City real estate, um, you know, nice things happening are few and far between. So we're, we're, we're very glad to get to make our permanent forever home at 1933, 37th Street, um, especially because by a twist of fate and um, more than that, and some good luck and uh, ingenuity, we actually were able to buy our building uh, the year before last. So we are there forever. You bought the building. It's not just renting. No, we own it. That is our permanent home. We, we adore our, our little 5,000-square-foot box. Um, we've used every square inch of it. As of uh, next week, will have been uh, finished with our, our final expansion. So we, we built the whole second floor throughout our brewery and put some offices there, which is really great. Um, we're a, you know, a quick-growing company, even though we're going on six years. Uh, and uh, so the past six years, we've had an owner, three officers, and a whole grip of employees sharing one eight-by-four-foot um, brick office with no windows. So uh, we're, yeah. we're really excited to finish this expansion. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about Single Cut, give people some, you know, ideas of, of what you're all about and what you all do. So you started in 2012 um, by Rich Buchetta. Yeah, Buchetta, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Single Cut is the name of a guitar. There's a lot of uh, kind of music themes that run through, you know, beer names and then the actual, you know, taproom itself. You have a never-ending uh, music-focused uh, taproom. Um, but you know, kind of what, what are you all about? If you were to give like a little, a little blurb to somebody to kind of give an idea of what, what single cut is all about. Oh, totally. Uh, so you know, like you said, we opened in 2012. Um, but really what we're all about and why we opened is, um, we're just about fresh sounds and flavors. Um, so all of us are big music nerds. All of us are musicians to varying degrees of skill and accomplishment. Uh, myself, uh, very much on the bottom of both of those things, uh, but I still absolutely adore music. Uh, and then when wait, Rick you play music? I do. Yeah, um, I'm not going to say any of the names of the band out of fear that um, you uh, find a deleted MySpace page with my terrible uh, college high school band music on it. But uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, I love playing music. Um, you know, like just stringed instruments. All of us are guitarists. Um, I did most of my um, uh, band work playing bass and as a vocalist, actually when I went to college for. Um, but singing don't pay the bills too well. Uh, and I, to be honest, I just didn't enjoy it. There will definitely be some internet searches later. All right, so everyone is a really, <laughs> really into music, um, you know, kind of comes together, makes some great beer. What, I mean, you all started with Pilsners originally? Yeah, so... 1933 is a pretty uh, special number for us. Not only is it our address, and as you said, um, it was the year that Prohibition ended. Um, but in Queens, uh, there had not been a production brewery or anybody making lagers since well before Prohibition. So when we opened in 2012, and, and just to color that, that's crazy. I mean, there's literally millions of people in the borough of Queens. Um, if Queens was like its own city, it would definitely be in like the top seven or eight in the country, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just massive. And then we have almost 17 million people in the overall New York metropolitan region. So the notion that there hadn't been a lager made, uh, you know, in almost 100 years was just a step too far. It was crazy. Uh, so when we found that spot, um, it was really important to us. We wanted to bring lager, fresh, properly made lager, back to New York City. Uh, 
so when we opened, we made a big investment, not just in money, but in real estate, and we put in traditional horizontal lagering tanks, uh, which were amazing. We, we still have them. We still use them absolutely every day. Uh, and basically, the whole idea there is that the tank is inverted. Um, that way, so the lager yeast, which likes to ferment on the bottom of the tank and spread out, um, it's a little bit um, happy and healthier fermentation, gives you that super clean, super crisp finish. So we were all about bringing fresh lager back. And then, if you can remember, way back in the day, uh, in 2012, back when the IPA was a specialty product, uh, we wanted to bring super fresh and vibrant IPA to New York City, which really wasn't the thing then. Um, there were some great IPAs that were being made, um, especially out of um, like uh, Greenpoint Dealworks, which is now uh, which was the home of Kelso Brewing, which is where um, a lot of... Uh, our staff traces with DNA and a bunch of other New York City breweries do. But somebody really focusing and dedicating themselves to making like hyper fresh, super, super vibrant IPA wasn't really a thing yet. So we wanted to make sure that we did that too. Um, but most importantly, the reason why Single Cut exists is we needed some place to store uh, our massive vinyl collection and uh, a place to put all the speakers where the neighbors wouldn't yell at everybody for uh, you know, cranking it to 11. That's totally fair. And, you know, something that fascinated me was to install those lager tanks and, and to have, um, you know, to do lagering is, is not cost effective for a brewery. It takes a lot longer for the fermentation process. It takes up a lot more space. And as you illustrated earlier, space is not an easy commodity in New York City. And time for a new brewery you know, is something that is precious. So I, I really did respect the fact that, you know, you were, you set out to make, you know, proper loggers uh, right from the get-go, which is something that is very, very difficult, I think, for a new brewery. Oh, man, that means so much uh, to us to hear that, because um, it's, it's really true. Um, and we're like a really cool point in beer right now, where the vast bulk of craft beer consumers um, are really keen and really excited about very intense flavors, which is great. Um, and then kind of our 10 percenters now who have been drinking really extreme and intense flavors for a while now um, are starting to expand their palates too and are kind of coming back to these uh, more nuanced, subtle, and from a brewery perspective, a lot more difficult and time-intensive uh, flavors, which, you know, this whole process of traditional lagering so 1933 Tilner, which is obviously named after the number we keep uh, quoting, which is our address in the year that Prohibition ended, um, is now actually the only logger we make because it's so time-intensive. It takes us the, the better part of two months to make a batch the way we want it. Um, you know, it takes a really, really long time. It takes up a lot of real estate and a lot of manpower. And by the time we brew that beer, it's time just to brew it again. So if there was one thing that was... Um, kind of the only downside about growing and really getting to kind of blossom with the IPA renaissance in New York City um, is that it we can't make more longer. We're, we're just, we're out, of, we're out of space and we're out of time. Um, but it's a good problem to have because we get to make our favorite beer, which is that Pilsner. Um, it's also, I think, in my humble opinion, our best beer. Uh, I just wish we could make more of it so we could share with our friends in D.C. and in Boston. And right now we just kind of have to keep it to ourselves in New York City. Yeah, well, that is a shame. I'm very, very sad that that doesn't come down to uh, D.C., uh, unless for special occasions. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Dan Bronson from Single Cut Beer Smiths on Beer Me Radio.
Welcome back to Beer Me Radio, uh, recording live at the Line Hotel. I am speaking with Dan Bronson uh, from Single Cut Beer Smiths of Astoria, New York. Uh, he is calling in from sunny and beautiful Nashville. He's there for the Craft Brewers Conference, and I will be there very shortly. <laughs> um, we're talking about how, you know, the beautiful Pilsner uh, that Single Cut makes in 1933 uh, they don't often uh, get a chance to send a lot of it out uh, into the world because uh, it's so t- time-consuming uh, to make, and you know you can only make so much. Uh, so, Dan, let me just get this straight: you can't, uh, you, you don't have the opportunity to bring the Pilsner to other cities besides New York City. Yeah, unfortunately, not. Um, well. At the end of the day, it's a great thing because it means that all of our friends and neighbors in New York are digging on what we do. And, you know, that for us is the most important thing. But we love sharing with our friends abroad as well. Um, but, yeah, you know, just to kind of underline it, um, in the kind of modern craft beer uh, scene right now, uh, our flagship beer, which is called 18 Watt, which is this beautiful and super intense, um, we call it a New York-style session IPA, only because it's been uh, hazier in New York a little bit longer than we've encountered that New England phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, that beer is super intense, um, and it takes us about one-third of the time to make as it does for our Pilsner. So you can kind of see after a while um, one more reason why IPA has become such a, a dominant style. Uh, not only is it so big and vibrant, but it's nice, big, intense, broad strokes. People can really wrap their mind around it. Um, pretty easily. And then from a production side, when you're comparing a 14-day turnaround or, you know, 16, 17, whatever it is, for an IPA versus six weeks for a Pilsner, um, not just what people want to drink, but what brewers can make starts to have a big impact. Um, So for us, we can make a lot more IPA than we can make Pilsner. So that's kind of the the biggest reason why we aren't able to sell as much of it is just the, the brass tacks of how long it takes to make things. Now, granted, sometimes um, everybody's got their own little brew house secrets and not going to be in the business of necessarily sharing ours here. Mm-hmm. Um, it maybe doesn't always take that long for everybody, but for us it takes us quite a while um, just because we want it to be the way that we know it's supposed to be. So um, I guess it's one more reason that every time you have a great, crisp, dry lager, you know, just bursting uh, with flavor and aroma, um, just take a little mo- extra moment and appreciate it because there's some brewer somewhere who worked really, really hard and can make a lot of money on that Pilsner. Yeah. They brewed it just because they loved it and they wanted to share it with you. Now, as far as your IPAs go, you you make a lot of really, really cool IPAs, and I, I think they have, um, you know, a nice uh, kind of uh, scale of you know, different hops that you use, different levels of uh, alcohol, different malt intensities. You know, you kind of make, you make this rainbow of IPAs, um, which I really, really appreciate. And you do kind of these limited release. All right, we're doing this IPA. We've only made so much. This gets released. So it's kind of, you know, ever-changing, pretty exciting. And a lot of those make their way, or a couple of them make their way down to D.C. I've seen them before in the uh, craft beer cellar on H Street. Mm-hmm. Um, where else do you guys bring them in D.C.? I just want to give our listeners, you know, here in the district a little inside scoop of where to find these beers. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Um, in in bulk, uh, thanks to our friends at uh, the Cabal Distribution Group, 
who have been great to our beer. Uh, they have a great portfolio. Um, they've actually gotten our beer at, at a whole bunch of places around D.C. Um, I know the folks are all-purpose um, for a bunch uh, at their location in downtown and also their new spot um, by the National Park. Um, uh, Pizzeria Paradiso has been super kind to us. The folks at Jack Rose have it quite often. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, your alma mater over at the Church Key Group they, they pour through a bunch of it, and then uh, you've got to get a little a little bell you can ding every time you see craft beer sellers, because that group is so cool. Um, up, all up and down the East Coast, um, just this big group of really awesome independent shops that are doing a great job at making sure that small batch, handmade, really honestly made uh, beer is getting into the right hands and being treated properly. So uh, a big ups to those cats on uh, on H Street, I think it is. You said like agree uh, are, are doing great and uh, we're not sending as much down as we'd like right now um, just because we just don't have the liquid but we're working on that and there'll be a lot more coming down into D.C. towards the end of the summer and we're really excited to go share that with you guys uh, and then I couldn't have said it any better uh, I'm going to steal all of your lines today Sarah Jay because totally. you're, you're selling you're, you're describing my brand better than even I could <laughs> uh, uh, Rainbow is a great way to put it um, we're a big believer and that IPAs should always have a distinctive character to them, and it should be really multifaceted and should be uh, always a, the great work that comes about by pairing the perfect yeast with the perfect blend of malt, and most importantly, the perfect blend of hop varietals, um, which for us is always huge, huge blend. Um, now, you guys source sorry, you guys source hops from all over the world, correct? Totally. Yeah, you know. I know you've got a little wine background, and, and I do a little bit as well. Very, the, very little wine always, background. The way I always love to talk about hop varietals is we shouldn't talk about them like they're a commodity because they're not. That's a very old way of thinking. They're, they really are varietal. Um, you know, the, the whole notion of harvest um, has a lot to do with it. They, they vary. But mm-hmm. most importantly, it's, it's terroir. I mean, they change so intensely from not just like geographical region to geographical region, but just from where they're grown, um, individual farms and producers. So for us, um, one of the things that we do that's kind of unique is we don't make featured hop beers. Uh, forget about single hop. We don't even do featured hop beers. That we're, we, you know, we have a beer that's, say, a, a Citra IPA that maybe has one or two things to kind of balance it out. Um, we believe in huge hop blends um, that focus on terroir and geography. So we're much more inclined to find the hop that we really dig um, kind of identify what in that particular uh, cone we really dig, what flavor in there is making it shine, and then try and build a huge supporting cast around it to really accent and contrast uh, with what's going on in that individual varietal. So, so what uh, does, really quick, for, for, for those of you not too familiar, so terroir um, is the environment around which, you know, typically used to describe grapes in which they grow. So this is the soil that's used, the water that's used, the air that's around it, the bacteria that's around it. Um, you know, so you see that starting to be part of the hop descriptors, you know, where it's grown, what the elevation was, what the soil was, what water did they use, you know, that kind of thing that, you know, affects the the different kind of aspects of the characters that you get with both the aroma and flavors of the hops. Um, with your hop selection process, 
you know, are you going to the specific hop farms? Or are they sending you samples? You know, what does that kind of look like in a brewery? Yeah, we're sampling and doing sensory tests all the time. And um, experimentation is a big part of who we are, too. Um, you know, we're the rock and roll brewery, so we try and take that those lessons to heart. Um, so we're not afraid to take big risks and uh, make big jumps, um, play with new things that aren't, um, you know, haven't been run through the grinder yet and every little possible aroma, note, detail. Um, we like to go with our gut and, uh, and, and make the, you know, it takes some adventure into our brewing. Yeah. And um, what, so, and for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar, what is, what does that kind of sensory uh, look like as far as, you know, kind of going through the hops themselves and, and evaluating them? Yeah, so it'll be a, a, a few different ways uh, we'll do it. Rich is super, super hands-on still with our brewing process. In fact, he does pretty much the exclusive uh, recipe creation for us. So anything I say, I'm, I'm saying uh, through him and for him. Cause mm-hmm. He's really the, the master of all of our, uh, the master of our magic, I guess would be the way to say it. Um, so, yeah, Rich is getting in hops from all over the world. Rich, um, you're really big and early adopters of uh, hops from the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so especially uh, New Zealand and Australia, which are very, very popular now, but these have been brewing staples for us since uh, the inception in 2012, but that would trace its real history back to 2009, 2010, when the initial batches were you know, kind of being tested out and really discovering what they were all about. Um, and f- sorry to interrupt, for those of you out there, the uh, Southern Hemisphere hops have become very, very popular in the last couple of years, especially with the New England IPA craze, because these are hops that give off a lot of tropical fruit notes. So we're thinking like guava, papaya, mango, uh, that kind of thing. So, all right, Dan, bring us back. So we got, um, you get the hops in from all different places, you know, physically, what do you all do um, to evaluate these hops? Yeah, so this is, that's going to basically be pretty simple. That's just putting them together rolling them up in your hands so you can let all the oils get out and then just kind of smelling around to see how it, it all works out together. Uh, a lot of experimentation, uh, a lot of making good experience-based uh, guesses, for lack of a better word, uh, and then really uh, always refining and tweaking, making sure that everything gets a little bit better each time. Uh, we have this very uh, puritanical motto at our brewery. Uh, it's actually plastered on the side of the building, and as cheese balls are kind of found, we take it a huge heart um, and our motto is mastery knows no shortcut what is so that again say, say, say the motto one more time because I absolutely love it real quick mastery knows no shortcut nice I like that which is a, a classic richism I don't know where he picked it up but I'm sure he has a good story for that mm-hmm. um, and we really take it to heart for us we're all big zealots over here um, we're really really obsessed with making sure that we put the, the best thing we can out into the market to share with folks um, because at the end of the day, like, you know, craft beer is not a money game. It's, it's not a super profitable industry. It's, it's more akin to restaurants than it is to being any kind of a manufacturing business. Uh, we do it because we love it. We do it because it's what we're put on this earth to do. That sounds so dramatic when you say it like that. No, but you gotta, um, you know, you gotta have that passion. Yeah, totally. We're, we're, we're all about it. So, uh, so for us, it's, it's all about just taking good calculated risks. Uh, not being afraid um, to do something bold and all out. And the reward for that is really intense flavors that sometimes you get to discover first. Um, and so we were really stoked uh, on those guys. And I, I can't uh, sing the praises of uh, the terroir from New Zealand anymore. If, 
anybody listening, you're a, a big wine drinker and you love those, you know, Marlboro Sauvignon Blancs with their really intense pineapple and that little bit of uh, almost jalapeno pepper and those really, really soft, mushy tropical fruits and even that um, oh-so-gross-sounding but so-tasty-in-wine cattiness, quote-unquote. You know, go out and find yourself a New Zealand hop beer and you'll be really pleased to see that it's a very, very similar experience. Um, Tawa is just the everything, man. If it grows together, it goes together, so they say, and um, those hops really, really take on a lot of the same characteristics of, uh, you know, that really juicy fruit you would get from those some of those nice, warm climate. Um, they're just really awesome, man. They're the best. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much for taking time uh, to speak with us, especially fresh off the plane in Nashville. Um, please, if you're in the D.C. area, you know, check out one of the single-cut brews, whether at the uh, H Street Beer Cellar. You can get it in a can. There are a lot of uh, different single cuts on draft throughout the city, whether all-purpose uh, pizzeria down in um, by Nationals Park or in Shaw, Birch and Valley Church Key on 14th Street. you got Jack Rose right here in Adams Morgan. Uh, so definitely there is a, there's a place to sample it. Uh, thank you again for listening. This is Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recording live at the Line Hotel. Uh, check us out at beerme.fullserviceradio.org. Thank you very much. It's the sweetest time when the sun's gone in And the moon's not shine And we sip some wine And the incense burn And the rain gets turned It's the night Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.